Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the host. They are the ones in charge. They are the ones in the captain's chair. They're at the wheel, and therefore they are steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. Welcome to His Hard Line for episode 444. And today we're going to be doing a reading out of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, and then we'll have a little commentary. Um, you know, it's crazy. I was actually looking through some of my uh, files, my audio files. And, you know, when I first started this show, I actually had some issues. And some of my shows actually got deleted, some of my earlier shows. And um, they weren't even ones that I deleted on purpose. They were somehow, I don't know what happened, but they ended up going missing. But anyway, but... um. I was like counting through them and I actually saw that I did 481 episodes. I was like, man, I'm like, where did the, you know, where did those 35, 36 odd episodes go? Like they're gone, but that's all right. No big deal. Um, but anyways, but yeah, I mean, technically I would be at actually 481. So pushing 500, but eh, you know, whatever, who's counting, who cares? But anyways, glad to have you all here. It is Friday, February 10th, 2023, and I just want to say thank you for joining us here at His Hard Line. I was debating whether or not if I was going to do a show tonight, um, because tomorrow I do have a face-to-face state assembly meeting tomorrow. Um, So, of course, and that meeting is, you know, I got to drive a couple hours away. Um, And so I was debating about getting up earlier tomorrow morning to do the show live or do it now. So I was like, you know, we're just going to do it now because I like sleeping in. 
especially when you have to wake up at 2 a.m. It's just kind of nice when you don't have to wake up any earlier than you have to. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know what? We're just going to knock it out. And uh, I almost I almost decided to take two days off because, you know, I always do a podcast free Saturday or Friday, depending, you know, what me and the family are doing. But my wife was like, ah, just go get your podcast on. We'll we'll do family game night here, you know, when you're done. We'll let we'll let Haven stay up a little late. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, that's cool. Because I don't want, you know, I don't really feel like getting up any earlier tomorrow. So here we are. So we are going to be reading out of again, first Peter chapter three. And I am reading out of the New American Standard Bible today, not the New American Bible Revised Edition. Today I am reading out of the New American Standard Bible, the NASB 95. And this one is not as long as the last few, but still 22 chapters, but not too crazy. And this is what it reads. In the same way, you wives be object to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your pure and respectful behavior, your adornment must, be, must not be merely the external. Braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or pull, putting on apparel, but it should be hidden. It should be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, the holy women of former times who hoped in God also used to adorn themselves, being subject to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have proved to be her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you are called for the very purpose that you would inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good, and he must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against evildoers. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation. Do not be in dread, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who disparage your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all time, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, 
who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. And that, <clears throat> excuse me, is the reading of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. So, kind of a fairly shorter chapter. Now, in the first two chapters of his letter to the scattered Christians of Asia Minor, Peter has made three things abundantly clear. The first, or believers' future with God, who caused us to be born again, is absolutely secure. Second, Christians are God's holy people. That means that we are set apart here on earth to accomplish his purposes. Third, believers may very well suffer in this life even for doing good. That's right. Hardship sometimes comes to those who seek to live as Jesus did. Now, in chapter 2, Peter revealed that God's holy people are called to live in submission to every human authority even those human authorities who may cause us to suffer. Now, in this chapter, he extends that idea of submission to Christian wives. Now, Peter commands them to be subject to their own husbands, even unbelieving husbands. Why? Well, for one thing, their Christ-changed lifestyle of respect and pure conduct may be enough to win their husbands to Christ without even you know, without having to use words. Now, what's interesting about this, as I kind of read this little summation here, this is almost kind of almost identical to what my wife is doing for me, right? I'm going to read this again, where it says, Peter commands them to be subject to their own husbands, even unbelieving husbands. Why? Because their Christ-changed lifestyle of respect and pure conduct may be enough to win their husbands to Christ without having to use words. Now, my wife prayed and prayed and prayed some more. And let me tell you something. We have a little inside joke now. See, once upon a time when I was a husband that I was, you know, I never was, which was a good man. I was never a good husband. I may have been okay at best, but that wasn't very often. My wife prayed and prayed to God. And even though she didn't really submit to me as what most people think in their minds, right? They think, oh, she's just submitting to whatever he says and does. No, no. She submitted her faith that I would come around. 
right? She submitted not just faith that I would come around, but she submitted herself to Father, most importantly. And she was bound and determined to have a Christ-changed type of lifestyle. For what? For respect and pure conduct. Hoping that it might be enough to win me, right? Win her husband to Christ without even having used word, you know, having to use words. All she had to do was pray. Now there's more to that. And some of you have been listening for a while. You know that story. And if you're fairly new, you'll probably hear the story again. It's part of my, my walk and how I, you know, came to a uh, pretty much like come to Jesus moment. Like I said, I was not a very good husband. But according to her, I am now. I am the man that she's always dreamed of and more. Thankfully. But that's all because of God. That wasn't because of my own doing. That was all because of God. And so instead of following a supernatural path to seeking beauty, right? Peter calls on Christian wives to cultivate beauty from the inside out by developing a gentle and quiet spirit. And that's a beauty which is valuable to God and a powerful contrast to the culture around us. Amen. So taken together, Peter calls the least powerful people in that time and place, including slaves and women, to become powerfully influential. And they can use their freedom in Christ to willingly submit and serve, allowing the world to see how Christ brings both beauty and fearlessness to those who follow him. But like I said, my wife and I, I, I never did finish that, that thought, but my wife and I have a little inside joke. I always tell her, I'm like, you and God conspired against me. And she laughs. She goes, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, I, I say that all the time. I said, you and God conspired against me. You know, if God was talking to me right now, he'd probably, he'd probably say kind of something like this. Yeah, Jason, what's your point? So what? We conspired against you. Whoop-dee-doo. Aren't you glad we did? Otherwise, you'd be living a continual life of sin. Yeah, he's right. I would. If I didn't have a, a wonderful wife praying for me. If he can't tell, I really like that echo effect. <laughs> but seriously. And so... <clears throat> Peter also addresses Christian husbands, commanding them to give honor and respect to their wives. And he reminds them of their spouse's equal standing in God's eyes. They are co-heirs of his grace. They're not below the husband. The wife is not below the husband at all. They are co-heirs of his grace. In fact, husbands are warned that their prayers will be hindered if they fail to honor their wives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. And I actually like what uh, um, there's a, a person in chat with the screen name, not afraid. This is very true. 
they put in here, the more we die to self, the more powerful he becomes in our lives. Yes, indeed. And this is what I've been trying to convey to my buddy at work who has been struggling. And I think he's getting it. I I really think he's getting it. But he's been kind of struggling to literally push himself aside and lay himself at the Lord's feet, humbling himself and truly coming to the realization and, and, and admitting to God, saying, God, I can't do this. My ways don't work. I've been doing it wrong all these years, and now it's time I need you. He's starting to get it. We have to die. The old self has to die. That's why when people always ask me, oh, man, I can't believe you used to be a DJ. I bet you were awesome. I'm like, yeah, you know, I was was all right. I was all right. Don't you miss it? No. What was your DJ name? I'd rather not talk about it because I killed that guy. That guy's gone. People look at me like I'm weird. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I killed that guy. That guy's gone. He he died a long time ago, and he's never coming back. And people don't understand what I mean when I say that. I said, one day you'll understand. But like I said, like it says right here, he reminds them of their spouse's equal standing in God's eyes. And he reminds husbands that, and he warns them that their prayers will be hindered. They won't be answered. If you fail as a husband to honor your wife, your prayers will not be answered. And so next, Peter addresses all the believers, commanding us to set ourselves aside for the sake of being unified together. So then he tells us to refuse the natural human instinct of seeking revenge when we are insulted or treated with evilness. Now, I know that's a tough one for a lot of us to swallow. That's a big, tough pill to swallow. You mean, you're telling me, Father, that I need to refuse my natural human instinct, my the, the, the human condition that's set within me to want to seek out revenge when somebody does evil against me? Really? You want me to refuse that? Um, yes, you need to refuse that. Oh, okay. But, Father, that's hard. Okay, what do you think my son thought when he went to go pretty much walk to his death with the cross on his shoulders? You don't think that was hard? It's like, all right, good call. Understood. Yeah, we're supposed to refuse natural human instinct. Because you don't think Jesus wasn't sad and angry at the same time of what they were doing to him? You know, and so part of our purpose as the set apart people of God is to give blessing to those who hurt us. Nancy said, uh, excuse me, not Nancy, not afraid, said it right here. If we desire forgiveness, we must forgive. Yes. And this is what I was telling my buddy at work. I said, part of your journey, buddy, I said, is not only just to let go and let God handle this whole thing. I said, but you, if you are 
hanging on to resentful feelings from other people like your brother, your stepfather, and or whoever else you got in your life that has been very nasty to you. I said, you got to forgive them, man. I said, I'm serious. You got to let that go. I said, that's part of your depression. That's part of why you're angry at times, why you carry the burdens and the weight of the world on your shoulders when you don't have. To. I said, you got to let that go, man. I said, this isn't just about you and your wife and fixing your marriage. I said, God needs you to know. He needs to know that you are going to let everything go out of your hands and off of your shoulders and hand it over to him. He wants to know you're going to trust him with everything. And so Peter quotes from both David and Isaiah to support a particular point. And this is that God's people have always been called to live set apart lives, influencing their culture, even though suffering, right? Even through suffering. And in fact, it may be God's will for us to suffer because we are doing good. And so if that happens, how should we respond? Well, in our hearts, Peter writes, we Christians should honor Christ as Lord and we should fully submit to him. As we do so, we will be changed, living with great hopefulness, even in our suffering. And those who know us will see that and think it's strange. And they'll wonder, what? how can he live like that after all he's been through or after all she's went through? And they will ask Peter. They, they, they will ask, and Peter says, how can you be so hopeful in these terrible circumstances? That's what Peter says. How can you be so hopeful in these ter terrible circumstances? So here's the thing. We must be ready to tell them. And Peter writes with gentleness and respect, the story of how we came to be redeemed by God through faith in Christ, but it matters that we continue to do good so that even those who accuse us of wrongdoing will be ashamed. Yeah. And so once again, our example is Christ. Always will be. He suffered and died for our sins before being made alive in the Spirit. But in some way, Christ preached to those in prison who failed to obey in the days of Noah. And Christ was resurrected. We affirm that when we are baptized and we are saved, and finally Christ ascended to heaven and is there now at God's right hand, reigning over every authority and power in the universe. That's right. I, I, I'm really liking this chapter. I tell you, there isn't a chapter in the Bible I don't like. I tell you, really, really. And, and just for the record, I feel like I have to put this little disclosure out every so often. Remember, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not a priest. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an ordained minister, and I'm not, I'm not an expert on it. I'm a guy who reads the Bible. I try to make heads or tails of it. Some days I understand it. Some days it goes right over my head. Remember, I am just like you. I'm trying to figure it out as I go along. But here's one thing that I know. And this is one of the reasons why I try to read this on a daily basis, one chapter a day to myself and on the air. So I do it twice a day, most days. But whether if we understand the Bible or not, or whatever chapter we're reading or not, the important thing is, is that we're getting the scripture internalized in our spirit. Whether if we understand it or not is a whole different ballgame. It might take seven or eight, nine different times before we actually understand what the context of that text really is. But the important thing is, is that 
it marinates in our soul. We hear it, right? This is why I do it. So important. So anyway, we're going to close this out with a prayer. And like I always say, I'm going to keep putting this out there till everybody realizes this is, you know, this is going to be a normal thing. If you have a prayer request, you're more than welcome to put it here in the chat. Otherwise, if you want to keep it anonymous, you can email me the day before or whenever at hishardline at gmail.com. That's hishardline at gmail.com. And you can say, hey, here's my prayer request. If you can do me a favor, just keep it anonymous. Not a problem. So we're going to close this out with a prayer, and then we'll continue on the other side with the next show. So, dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for this day, and, and thank you for the gift of hard work. I really do appreciate it. Even though I didn't really feel like working today, I am thankful I had the opportunity to be able to work and to be able to earn a living for my family. I thank you for the people that come here and their jobs and, and their families. Thank you for our spouses and our children. And for some of us who are blessed with grandchildren, we thank you for them as well. We ask for your guidance that we may raise up a generation of not just God-fearing people, but we, we ask for that guidance and, and instructions on how to raise a new generation that will completely live differently than we used to live. Turn back to the old ways of doing things, learning good, true skills, reading their Bible and their institution on a daily basis, understanding the law, not scrolling through TikTok and Facebook and binge watching Netflix. We, we strive for a future where all that nonsense can fall to the wayside and we can get back to actually reading and having dinners at the dinner table and getting back to being a family again. Father, we ask that you guide us in that path. We want the good old days back. And then some, we will bring back the good old days where families are the most important thing that we need to focus on next to you, Father. We got to have strong families. We need you at the heart of these families. We need to keep up a strong body temple so that we can have a strong nation. Guide us in that, Father. And we pray all this in your Holy Son's name. In Jesus Christ, amen. So that is all I have for you for the... Well, for some of you, that might be new. This segment used to be called 1% with him. And if you want to know why I used to call it 1% with him, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. 1% of your 24-hour day is roughly about 15 minutes. So I always encourage people, spend 1% of your day with the Lord. Read a little Bible and spend a little time in prayer. At the beginning of your day, you will not go wrong. I'm telling you, 1% with the Lord will pay you dividends. And I don't mean financially. I'm talking in just spiritual rewards. That's all you got to do. 15 minutes a day with, with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's it. So with that, we will see you on the other side. Give me about two minutes. If I don't see you on the other side for the next part of the conversation, we will see you back here on Sunday. Because remember, tomorrow is a state face-to-face -face meeting. I will not be on the air. We will be back on the air on Sunday at 7 p.m. So, with that said, we'll see you on the other side. Oh,